If he talks about the matchup, Mickey, he was easy. Yeah, you cutting it up. Just a couple athletic enthusiasts. You know what it is, the Mickey Zizzy Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It is episode nine of the Mickey Zizzy Podcast. I am your co-host, Zizzy Yank, along with my good friend, Mickey Hines. I do not think I can describe to you guys how difficult it has been to get this episode going tonight. But we are here, we are doing it, and we are going to make it happen for you. So, Mickey Hines, what's going on, man? That was wild. It was, Mr. Zizzy, but I have... Some breaking news, some even more wild news for you. Okay. So, public service announcement by yours truly. I have opened up the doors of the Mitch Trubitsky bandwagon for one person. The boat has sailed onto land, and now it is a bandwagon, and it's actually quite beautiful. I'm actually going to send you the picture right now of this beautiful bandwagon. The okay. Ten God bandwagon now has a passenger, that being James Conner, running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He oh, said he no. is on the Mitch Trubisky train. He said he's going to have a great year and lead this team to a successful season. James Conner, welcome aboard. Love to have you here on the Mitch Trubisky bandwagon. We're going to have some fun. We are here to stay. I am excited. You know, I was really excited. I know we were we were struggling to get the episode going tonight. We were having some major de- technical difficulties behind the scenes. I get excited to get in here with you, and you want to start with that? Well, I, I had I let the people know. Oh, it's not even a topic. Did you want to ruin my night? <laughs> you know, um, I was letting you know that people can join this bandwagon, but uh, the doors will be permanently locked here soon. But me and James Conner are gonna be we be rolling. Oh my goodness! All right, I I don't have anything to give give you any sense of satisfaction, any credit. I don't care that you have support from one person. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. It's crazy. <laughs> All right, but on a more serious matters. So, Mickey Hines, we got two topics that we're going to discuss tonight, and I think that we should start with the NBA and then discussing the possibility of going back to allowing people to draft athletes straight out of high school. So what is your thought? So I'm pretty sure this started in 2006, this being uh, letting high school athletes go straight to the NBA. Here's a quick answer for you of how I feel about this topic. There have been 45 draftees straight out of high school. You want to hear some of these players? (laughs) <laughs> One being LeBron James, Rookie of the Year, debatable, uh, MVP and NBA champion. Dwight Howard, he was also a first overall pick for the Magic. Um, he brought that team to the finals alone. Amari Sardeman, uh, Sardemeyer, Kevin Gar- uh, Garnett, Kobe Bryant, T-Mac, Kendrick Perkins, Sean Livingston, Josh Smith, Al Jefferson, J.R. Smith, Andrew. Do I need to go on? No, yes, sir. Yes, Mr. Zizzy. Bring back high schoolers into the league. I'm all for it. Yeah. Um. To be honest, I don't really think this is going to be a debate, at least on this one, between us. However, I just think it's a fun conversation to have, and I have had it with many people before. Um, I think it makes perfect sense. I think it should be done. I mean, first and foremost, if a player's skills are going to be good enough to deem him or her, because I think that this should extend to the WNBA as well, if they if their skills deem them 
professional grade, professional level, you deserve to be acknowledged in that way. I mean, and it, like you said, around 40, 45, I think you said players drafted out of high school. 10 of them at least are all-stars. Some of them Hall of Fame. Some of them the best to ever do it. Of course you want to bring high schoolers back. And there's a lot more reasons to it. Um, you got to look at it from a standard, from a standpoint of just straight fairness. I mean, we're supposed to be about allowing choice, allowing people to create, to have their own choices. And with no matter really what age that really is, you don't want to limit somebody's growth and their potential. So allowing them to make that choice out of high school to go to the league or to go to college, that's on them. And if they and the only way that they're even going to have the chance to discuss going to the league right out is if they're that good in the first place. Let's be honest. If we talk about high schoolers going to the league, we're talking. We're most likely talking first round talent. At least that's what I believe I've seen growing up. But it's hard to argue the value of one year in college because that's what all these people, if they're going straight out of high school, they're going to be a one and done anyway. So it's hard to argue the value of just one year in college and a possible degree when you're going to be a first round pick, which is going to be just South of a million dollars. You can pay for your family. You can pay for yourself. You can take care of a lot of issues with that kind of money. And I think it just makes sense all around. Um, your thoughts. Yeah. So I'm going to go against, you know, one of the reasons why they raised it. And I'm going to negate that point. That being, they wanted to improve the quality of players, make it sure that the athletes are more physically developed. You know, prep to pro. Okay. So now, if they already can ball in college, wouldn't they be NBA ready already? You know, it's easy for them to go off to high school and go to the league if they're at that point. Great. I know there's some people who probably shouldn't, you know, go straight yeah, to the league. But obviously, we've seen these I mean, people yes. do it. So we still can create this system that if these players are good enough, why not send them? I want to see the best basketball players in the best basketball league in the world, that being mm-hmm. the NBA. And yep. I know everyone talks about the maturity over experience aspect of this debate. Now, let me tell you this. So, yes, this does help mature a- athletes at a young age of how to play at the NBA level. I get, you know, they got to go up kind of a level because, you know, going from high school to college is a big difference. Yep. Big but at the time. same time, they're not going to care as much because I know they're still going to do school. They still might go out, you know, on the weekends, hang out with friends. And we, we all we all did that, you know, while we were in college. But when they're in the NBA, guess what they're doing? Nine to five every day. They wake up. All they have to focus on is basketball, basketball, basketball. And if they already are chosen by an NBA franchise to say, hey, we think you have pro talent. Why not put them in now? Do you think Zion and LaMelo were not good enough when they were in high school? Wrong. Completely wrong. You Mm -hmm. know, they were NBA ready. Like, Zion just went there, and granted, they did lose, you know, in the March Madness a year ago. Um, Yeah, Yeah. I mean, two years, granted, because we didn't have it this year. But, like, he was ready. I mean, he dominated by only playing 20-some games. So, I mean, that's just some great points negating some of these haters of why 18-year-olds should not be playing. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of different things that I can look at on the opposite, uh, the opposite side of argument, and pick it apart. I mean, I know people have said, well, if you're ta- if you're allowing them to go straight to the league, then you're helping even further kill the NCAA by taking away top tier talent. Well, 
that's where I disagree because when you look at it, like annual freshmen, because that's basically all they are, they're there one year. So these annual freshmen, and many of them, like we said before, are already pre-decided that they're going to be one and done. I don't think they're even vital for the survival of college basketball or the sport in general. I mean, team fans in college especially, I mean, at least from my perspective, it's about rooting – it's about the rooting interest being much more based on the connection with the school rather than the individual. And so, and then a lot of these people, since they're coming in at a one and done uh, with a one and done mindset, it's not even turning into a one and done. It's more of a half and done because they go in, they play their college basketball season. They get all the scouts looking at them. They get everything that they need to do to make sure they're good for the draft. And then they stop going to class. They don't need to do anything. They just prep for the draft. Ben Simmons is the prime example of doing that. He was quoted for doing that. So they're basically just like taking advantage of the scholarship and then not doing anything academically with the school. And it's kind of they're losing money actually overall. So I think that you can argue against the whole perennial. You want perennial talent going straight to the NCAA. Well, do you or why wouldn't you want the people that are going to be there for the full four years? and build a team, build rivalries. Some of the greatest college athletes and college rivalries are built from that. So I, th- I don't think it – I think it might be a good thing to take attention away from some of these big primetime players as well. Yeah, and I'm going to kind of relate to other sports. For the NFL, I do love that they play three years because uh, they, they do have to develop. I think developing in football compared to basketball is way different. I mean, you see like Steph Curry – like, I mean, he didn't get too much bigger. He definitely, his talent rose 100%. But mm-hmm. he didn't get, like, absolutely bigger, you know, from, you know, if you're playing football aspect. So, I'm just trying to relate it here. I mean, you have this young freshman, you know, he just got out of high school lifting. In football, you got to get bigger, all right, and work on your craft and, you know, develop to get hit by bigger dudes. Basketball, though, I mean, maybe get quicker and better shooting. But shooting mm-hmm. come with ease, and you can fix that in the summer. I'm not saying it's, like, super easy to do. But it's something that if you have NBA coaches and all you have to do is work on a shooting and pretty much nothing else, you're going to be okay if you take that risk. And at the end of the day, if the owner wants to take the risk to draft an 18-year-old and they're a bust or whatever, like, oops, so be it. You know, that kid's still got to play at the professional level and have a few good years. Yeah, and you can continue off of that. And people also like to argue, like, okay, well, you can allow them to go to the NBA straight out of high school, but what if they just fall flat in their face or they do really bad for a couple of years? Now they have no career. They don't have any degree behind them. Now they're left out with even less than what they had before they left high school. And says, okay, well, if you're talking development, I mean, look at what Gatorade themselves just did with the G League. They completely rebranded it, spent, hun- spent millions and millions of dollars to reignite the entire brand and redo the entire developmental league for the NBA. I mean, now they have more opportunities and advanced technology than ever to be as good as they need to be at this next level. So there's more support uh, being garnered on the side of the NBA for these athletes. And so I think even while some of them obviously still won't make it, they stand a better chance. Yeah, I guess the only... Example I have is Taco Fall, my man on the Boston Celtics. He's been bouncing around to the G. Hey, he's been shooting threes. Playing. He's been but, shooting I threes. Mean, he's seven foot six. What NBA program? I mean, shoot, maybe seven seven would not want that on your basketball team as a rebounder, you know? And they mm-hmm. they're they're making him better and building him as an NBA 
player through the G League. Like, that's what they're going to do with these young guys if they fall on their face. Because they still have yeah. that potential if they're going to looked at, you know, by the NBA. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I don't think there's uh, – I mean, there's there's other things that you can point out about it. But, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. I think it makes sense. I think it needs to be done. I'm not even really sure what the initial call for making that one-and-done rule really was about. Um. But yet again, I mean, it was, what, 2006? It's not like we yep. were really all that old either to really understand <laughs> it. Then. But, um, looking back at it now and seeing where Adam Silver wants to go, I think it makes all the sense in the world. So if you don't have anything else on the changing the rule to being able to draft at a high school for the NBA, I would like to talk about college athletes and the debate, the love to debate this. You can debate this any person, but... Mr. Zizijakovic, do you think that we or the school should pay college athletes? Not in money. Not in money. Um, I don't think – I think that while they – college athletes should benefit and be able to benefit in some type of way. But the way that I'm hearing they're going about it at this point, it seems like they're getting money off of – their likeness, their autographs, and endorsements, right? But it would be actual money, am I correct? That's what uh, I think was put in state. They might do for those things. Yeah. yeah, and I just think, and I like I said, I think that they there's needs to be some type of opportunity or gap filling um, incentive, but I don't think that we should go about it with money. And I think there's a few reasons for that. Um, I'll start with the fan perspective that I kind of used in the last topic. Like college sports is supposed to stand for much more than the individual. It's school pride, it's cities, it's relationships. And it's not, I'm not saying it would hundred percent happen, but I do fear that paying athletes will then idolize the individual. And at that point, it's not really a college sport. It's a professional sport. And you have a lot harder time uh, making that divide. Um, And with that, you can also have fear that it will begin to portray a concept that the sport is bigger than the degree or the sport is bigger than the school or that one player is more important than a team. So you're allocating all this attention, popularity, money to one young athlete. And then again, just right there, they're still young athletes. Um, that's where, that's why I say like, there needs to be guidelines or restrictions or just a different way of looking at it, because this could all be a different story if they're saying, okay, we're going to give them money, but then they're required to do money management courses, emotional distress courses, social awareness courses, because people are going to try and take advantage of them. They're young. They don't know a lot of people at um, our age or younger don't necessarily know better. And I'm not saying everybody's the same. Everybody has different experiences, but a lot of people like, is it really wise to give a many more younger people without maybe the specific knowledge of how certain things work or operate? Um, is it worth it to give them that su- substantial amount of money? Obviously the levels of money will be different for different athletes, but um, I think that's just all something that really needs to be looked at and reviewed a little bit more. I understand that the amount of money that sports m- brings to these colleges and universities and how much that they make 
technically off of the players because they are the ones off the field is an incredible, incredulous amount. But I don't think if we, it's right to then say, okay, well then we're going to divide this money up towards the athletes themselves. And it's going to be towards more specific athletes. It's not going to be, so it's not going to be the same for everybody. So that's going to bring up fairness questions down the road. Um, and then you're going to turn it, if you turn it into a money game, I guarantee you, you're going to see some crazy corrupt or political thing that happens within these schools. You're talking like money with recruiting and coaching, like coaches, coaches are already making good money in college, but now you're talking behind the back, behind the uh, closed doors deals uh, with players. You can throw as much money as you can to get them, um, You've got deals saying, hey, if you go to this school, you'll get this endorsement. Or if, if you go to this school instead, like there's just a lot more ramifications than what I think people are realizing. Um, and if they want to make it a money thing, then just make every sport, not just NBA or basketball, then give every sport the option to let these kids go pro early. Because otherwise, it's just going to turn into us basically having two professional levels. I think there's just different ways of doing it. We can still give these people uh, advantages for how much they bring in income-wise or attention to these schools, but why not just do it with free meals? Why not just do it with free housing? Why not? And then if you're talking about the scholarship stuff, basically if you're getting a free scholarship and you just replace that with an income, the players aren't gaining that much marginal profit to begin with. So I just, I'm not sure if I see much of a difference, especially when the money that we give them, if it is in just cash amounts, it no longer is traceable. And you don't know what these kids are spending it on because I mean, I have fun in college. I know what can happen. I just don't want people to take it and not be educated and then go down the wrong path. You understand? Yes. So now I will yes and no when I'm going to agree with you. The first note I wrote when I was researching this topic was no. Um, you should not pay, you know, schools should not be able to pay these college athletes because most of them, I mean, they have a lot of scholarships, but here's the thing. They have free living, free food, free clothes. Uh, what else do you need? I mean, yeah. I, you know, they have all the free gear. When you, when we went to Cornell, we had to buy our gear. Okay. We didn't get any yeah. scholarships, so we had to pay for, you know, the living and whatnot. We had to pay for our food. I know mm-hmm. I've been to the D1 facilities up in Iowa, and they have, you know, a bunch of places where you can go get food. They have nutritionists there. Like, hey, you got to eat this, eat this. And they want you to eat the perfect thing so you can be, become the best athlete. Like, um, okay. And I do know the schools put back the money into their facilities. I know the NCAA makes billions, you know. And, mm-hmm. But the thing is, when you sign as a college athlete, you sign off your likeliness, et cetera. I mean, we did this at Cornell. Granted, we're not on that kind of scale, but we have some kind of familiarity with this thing. You sign off saying, I'm okay with you using my whatever, and I'm playing for this team, not for money. You know, yeah. you're just going against your contract, all right? And also, if you think about it, you know, a lot of the family members, I'm pretty sure they get free tickets, so your family gets to come. I don't Obviously, they don't get to, like, fly in for free, but they get free tickets. I mean, you get free, you know, five people, whatever. Um, they get free training to become the best athlete they possibly can. They can go up into their weight room anytime, and I bet you their mm-hmm. coaches would let them in. And half the times they let them stay in the summer, and they still kind of get paid a, a check on the side, you know. So they're still getting these checks. Or when they go out on away trips, they're still getting paid money for food, quote, unquote. All right? Yeah. yeah. So it's just, you know, they still get these kind of like stipend things. And 
my kind of gray area, what I want to talk about with you is you kind of uh, dabbled in it was where do you draw the line? Do you draw the line at, you know, all sports? Or you just draw the uh, thing at power five because yeah. all these, all these athletes want to say, Oh, it's like working 40 hours a week. I got to put in film. I got to work out. I got to go to class and I got to practice. Um, so do do D three people. So do volleyball. Mm-hmm. So does basketball. Shoot. So does you know, track and field. So does even the band. I bet you the band has to watch a ton of film to see where they're at. The funny yep. thing about that is the band of Illinois. People came to because Illinois football, the Fighting Illinois, whatever you want to call it, are not a very good football team, and they show up just for the band and they leave. It hates me to say it. It actually breaks my heart to like, say this. I, I read an article on it because. Uh, back in high school, I had a teacher who showed me this. I'm like, whoa, that's actually crazy when we were talking about this. So why not pay them if half of the people in the stands are coming to see them? You yeah. know, and they were a great band. They, you know, played great music and all. But, you know, where do, do we, where do we draw the line? And like you said, do we pay players more money? I mean, why not my right tackle, uh, Tristan Wirfs, who, you know, is a face of the O-line and could be the face of your program more than, you know, Nate Stanley. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, where do we draw the line? Yeah, And that's another thing, too, is if you're going to start saying, like, where do you draw the line? And do you start playing, paying specific people more and all that? And that kind of goes back to, again, these are still young athletes, young people where stuff like that, like that messes with their heads, like to see somebody else making more money or to see somebody else benefiting, like. Um, that's why I'm saying unless there's some way to teach them how to manage emotions, to teach them how to manage extraneous, extraneous circumstances that many other people that aren't big time college athletes, I'd say, would face, then I, you have to be aware that there's going to be serious consequences from giving people access to this kind of popularity or money. Um, depending on the level that they're at. Obviously, it can be different with a Power 5 football Heisman Trophy winner than to a swimmer. But that's the thing, too. A lot of times, the Power 5, the big football uh, conferences, everything like that, they pay for the money of other athletic departments. So what if you are starting to pay some of that money, take it away, and give it to individual players? You're telling me that one player for one other sport is worth more than an entire other sport? Because what if that other sport doesn't have the money now to continue at that school? I mean, you have to be, you have to know where to draw the line. And it's just, it's very, very, very hard to do so. And it's been kind of interesting to see how fast paced they've been with making all these approvals of saying, yeah, we're going to pay athletes. We're going to pay athletes. I still haven't really seen a plan for how they're going to do it. Yeah, so I know kind of I'm going to bring it back. You said pay off likeliness, correct, earlier? Yeah, yeah. So here's my thing, which I would be okay with. If a shoe deal or an organization like Nike, Adidas, Big Baller Brand wants to take on an athlete (laughs) and wants to sign this kid in college, I think they should be able to because that company is paying them, you know, off the side. And they're not going to pay this kid to be bad. They want them to be the best, so they buy their stuff. They see, you know, Zion's wearing, you know, Nike. Oh, my gosh, I want to go buy it, Mom. That's so cool. That's a mm-hmm. type of, you know, stigma that these people can have. And also, I feel like why not pay them for commercials? Like I said, they're going to pay that individual for it. And if it does have school colors in it, then pay the school as well. And also, 
they can, you know, pay them for uh, signing autographs. Like, I just feel like that's such an easy place. You know, five bucks a day and get an autograph. And move it goes half to the students, half to the school. There you go. They're making some kind of revenue based on how good they are. That yeah. eliminates the unfair part that we were just talking about. Okay. And I know, you know, the second string punter is not going to get paid a lot, you know. But still, he works just as many hours, et cetera, like we were talking about earlier. But now for your, you know, your headliner guy, he's going to be there taking autographs and he's going to get paid because of the value he puts on the field. You know, I mean, just like in, you know, pro sports, you know, they get paid based of on how well they play. Well, in college, not a, I think other organizations can help pay for them and endorse them because of their likeliness. I think that's okay, but only that. Okay. Um, I'm just still not sure if, like, I understand the it's proportional to the value itself, and it makes sense, and it's nest and in retrospect, it's fair in that aspect of it. Um, but like you said, they still put in the no matter who it is on the team, they put in the same time, they put in the same hours. It might be in different ways. It might be somebody in the weight room compared to somebody in the film room, but it's still work is work and people. And when you're a part of the same team, people like to see their value spread, spread and shared equally. So I think that's where it comes into more of a psychological aspect to where we're going to see people not know how to deal with being treated differently than somebody else who's in the same position as them. Um, Where? Yes. I'm going to, go off uh, on what you said. And I want to say, if we did pay the athletes, I'm going to kind of play devil advocate in today's uh, podcast, but I'm going to negate my own point. So say we paid them, all right? Just like you worked to, I mean, what what you talked about earlier was you were in college at one point. You know what happens after a football game. Um, We do fun things. Let's just keep it PG there, Mr. Zizzy. Heck yeah. So can you imagine if you were the all-star at a D1 program, not just like D3 Cornell, but at a D1 program and you got all this money, what do you think you're going to go do? (laughs) Tattoos, drinks, cars, kicks, (laughs) bling, ice, phones, you know, maybe some other bad stuff that could get them in trouble. But, you know, I'd be yadded from head to toe if I got paid to play college and look real good out there on the field. Like, you know, I, I, if I was 18, 19, 20, oh, shoot, I turned 21. What do you think I'm going to do with all this money? You know, this big program just paid me. Mm-hmm. That's the fear that you have. And along with this, I'm going to keep on going with this topic of if we pay these athletes. I'm going to kind of go with the Tim Tebow interview. Tim Tebow is one of the – People where his jersey was sold the most, he was on the cover of the NCAA, I'm pretty sure, and he made Florida a ton of money, all right? Mm-hmm. But he says it would take away from the game if we pay these athletes, all right? Mm-hmm. It would take away the passion. It would take away yeah, from I, I want to pay for that. the school. I want to pay for money, and the fans would see that too. Like, oh, I'm not going to die for that ball just like Cam Newton in the Super Bowl because, oh, I got to protect my contract so I keep on getting paid in college. I'm not going to give it at all. And it just takes away from, you know, everything when you are playing on that field. It turns, you know, we into me. I know Tim Tebow said that. And like you said, it totally does. It turns into individual. And college isn't making about making a dollar and, 
you know, it's about playing the sport that you love, and it would totally change the dynamic of college sports. Yeah, um, 100%. I agree with that. Now, some people would like to take that same argument and turn around and say, well, if this college was paying me money, I'd be playing even hard for it because I, even harder for it because you feel like you have to earn it. And you, if you want to make as much money as you can at as young of an age as you can, you have to perform to the best of your ability. I would say yes. But the thing is, there's not going to be any loyalty. There's not going to be people that transfer. Yeah, it's going to, it's just becomes a money race. Who's paying me more? That's who I'm going to play for. And I do think I've heard another argument from people on the other side saying, okay, well, then maybe because everyone's paying um, and people are just going to go to where they're getting paid more. That means that some other schools that aren't in the power five, maybe they just go out and recruit a powerhouse team. And all of a sudden they're showing up competing for the title. I would agree. I think that would be super cool. But let's be honest, those schools don't have the same kind of money as these other schools. Like I I under like I think it would be so cool to see Harvard in a national championship. <laughs> but let's be honest, they don't have that same type of, of revenue that they generate off of sports as somebody else as some of these other places do. Um, so I think that's just another aspect of it that you can argue it both ways, but I think at the end of the day, it still lies um, in our side of it where I just don't think it's going to, I think it's going to have more negative impacts than positive. Like, and I mean, one of the best things that people are saying, like um, I know we're talking about lightness, like, do I want games like NCAA football to come back? Of course I want to play those video games that have that stuff. I've been playing it right now. Yeah, exactly. Shower handle, baby. shower handle in the building. Um, but it's it's I still just like to me, I'm with you. Like to see myself in a game, like I'd be stoked. Like I'm good right there and then. Like I don't even need anything. Exactly. Else. But I mean, it's a it's a different world that we live in, and just it's different ways of thinking with every generation, every year of new incoming students and athletes. So, um, I think it would be more negative than positive. But if there's anything else you want to add to that, yeah, and I'll go on my closing point to close this out. And like you said earlier, it would become more of a business than an actual game playing for your school. And transfer would come huge. You know, if I'm Jalen Hurts, you know, and I know he did transfer for other reasons, not playing, et cetera, and he was a great quarterback. But, you know, maybe he doesn't go to Oklahoma because we'll say Iowa's like, hey, we'll spend all of our money that we got on you, you know, as much as we can for you to come here, you know, and we'll promise you a little bit more on the table like you said. Boom, there you go. It really takes away from I wanted to play here because I felt like this is the best, you know, place for the fans, coaches, facilities, et cetera, compared mm-hmm. to money, you know. And Alabama would win the championship every year because I know they probably have the most money because they have one of the biggest stadiums, the most people coming to their games, most people watching their games. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's clear as day. You're not going to have Boise State, you know. Boise State's like the kid who gets picked last in kickball. It just doesn't work, and they're not going to get a lot of money, you know. Mm-hmm. Not to bash on them, but, you know, all these kids are like, oh, you know, I think I might go to Boise State. Oh, wait, I can make a little bit more money here. Bye. Granted, playing on the blue turf would be great, but that's just so tough to see. And I just don't want people, while they're listening to this, think, you know, I'm hating on this idea because, I mean, I, I am a little bit, but I was a college athlete at one point, too. And you can't take away from D3 too much because, like I stated earlier, we put in the same work just as much as any other athlete does. 
And at the end of the day, Mr. Zizzy, I want the best for all athletes because I was one. This is not a scam. Underline it, capitalize it. It is not a scam. School makes money off students. They always do. They always try to promote you because you sign off on that. They want to show how much success you're having here, whether it be in the classroom, on the field, or in some kind of, you know, any other club organization that you do. They want you to see because you're doing it for their school. All right. And you go to college for an education. You don't go to college to get paid. You think when I was student teaching and I had to do the not, you know, nine to five job every day, like all the other teachers, I didn't get paid for that. Mm-hmm. All that gas money, all that stuff, you know, stuff I had to go out. I had to make lesson plans, all those stressful hours. You know, I didn't get paid for that either because I went for an education. Yeah. I and mean, I gave up Florida they, Bright Futures. I gave up thousands and thousands yeah. of dollars to go take out a loan to oh. go to a school that was more expensive. But you know what? The experience and the people I created, the relationships I had, the t- moments that I can remember from sports, from just friendships, from everything else, that that's what was worth it. It was never about the money. If I had worried about the money, I wouldn't have been at Cornell. So I just, I mean, I maybe we're biased because we have that way of thinking, but I think that's the right way of thinking. I have to totally agree with you, Zizzy. Uh, maybe if they get paid with a likeliness and it doesn't take too much from the game and from them kind of like recruiting to go to other schools just based on money, I hope that doesn't happen because that takes away from any college sport. And I just – I have to go with a no, and I totally you know, stand by it. The school should not be handing them a paycheck at the end yeah. of the day. I rest my case. Yeah. Hands down. I'm with you. Oh, yeah. So I know today's episode was a little bit shorter, that bees, because hopefully in a week or two, we'll have a special guest. Would you like to talk about our special guest for our next interview? Yes, yes, yes. So it was supposed to happen tonight. Um, Almost still happened with us having some technical difficulties, but we were supposed to have our special special guest, Mr. Trevor Green, on the show with us tonight. A former teammate of ours at Cornell. He's a current coach and school teacher uh, up in Iowa. He's been doing great things. He's really, he's been a really inspiring uh, story for a bunch of people that are our age and just as friends to watch him and be able to see what he's done has been really cool. So I'm excited to get him on the show. We are not 100% sure when that will be, whether we make it up next week or the week after. We're hopeful for that, um, but we will be having him on the show as soon as possible. Can't wait for that. Um, we're excited. Yes, sir. And I hope you know, Mr. Zizzy, the big one's coming up. The big uh, debate. <laughs> Don't worry. That L is already shipped in the mail. So. Oh, goodness. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be a battle. And it's going to be a battle that Mickey Hines will have to lose. But if you're talking sports, it's the matchup. Mickey, here we Zizzy, you ever cutting it up? Just a couple athletic enthusiasts. You know what it is, the Mickey Zizzy Podcast. Have a great night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.